This is Leighton Gray. This is Tanner Today. This is Donald Best. This is Granny Mackay. This is Steve Holmstrom. This is Viva Fry. You're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday. Now, let's just preface this right now, quick. If it's early and you've turned this on bright and early and you've forgotten, if you're around the Lloydminster area at uh, 10 a.m., there is uh, that's when the, pro, uh, the, the march starts. Uh, sorry, the gathering for the march starts. At 11 a.m. is the march. It takes about uh, half an hour, 45 minutes, and uh, that's all it is. Uh, so if you're in the area, today is September 20th, which means come on down and uh, uh, march. There's going to be a whole group of people starting at City Hall. Anyways, if it's already too late, it's a different day, then let's stick to 500 for a second. You know, I'm reminded of J.R.R. Tolkien. As a kid, I read uh, Lord of the Rings, and uh, specifically this the, the, the quote I'm thinking of comes out of The Fellowship of the Ring. And he said, It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your front door. And I don't know why I'm butchering that. I'll start it again. It says, I'm making it my own. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. He used to say, You step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And, you know... It goes a little further than that and says, do you realize that this is the very path that goes through Mirkwood? And that if you let it, it might take you to the Lonely Mountain or even further and to worst places. I hope that's not foreboding because some days when it comes to this podcast, I talk about how I have zero control over it. You know, it goes where it wants. You know, episode 100 was, you know, uh, was uh, an achievement. You know, 100 episodes, Ron McLean, and I know that triggers some people, that, that name alone, but... You know, at the end of the day, that was an achievement. And, and 200, Glenn Sather, and, and 300, you know, he had the UCP candidates on stage, which we knew one of them was going to become premier, which ends up being Danielle Smith. And 400 was Tamara Leach, who right now sits in court in Ottawa, and, and we, we watch and, and honestly pray that uh, the right decision is made in that courtroom. And uh, and so 500 with Jonathan Pajo, who I think a lot of us have uh, admired, another Canadian uh, it's just, it's been an interesting road. You know, when I started out, um, I, I picked my name as the podcast, not because I love my name, not because I have this sleek, sexy look, whatever. Uh, I think we've done all right, by the way, but, uh, because I knew if I put it as Sean Newman, the only one who getting harassed would be me. And I knew that if I wanted to change or shift gears, I could, because it wasn't anything specific, politics, hockey, culture it doesn't matter all those words whatever here we're going to talk about life we're going to talk about what's going on in society and uh, we're going to have some fun all, all all along the way and the nice thing about it is i can go whichever way i want to and uh, you the audience have certainly uh played a giant part in that you know i, I uh some days the phone is there's <laughs> a lot to handle other days, it's one of the funnest places to be because I get to interact with all of you and hear your thoughts and and uh, and hear some guest suggestions that I would never get to because, believe it or not, I rely heavily on you guys not only to share what I'm doing, but to to feed me who you think uh, would be a great guest. And and the thing about that is we have no idea where uh, uh, a guy like once upon a time getting fed Tom Luongo would lead to Alex Craner and then them coming over here and being in Lloydminster. And and, and honestly, that led to a, a sponsorship of Silver Gold Bull. That, that That's the general, you know, so like I have no idea where this thing's going. I don't act like I know where it's going. I just go, let's let's go. I don't, I don't plan to, oh, this is going to work and then I'm going to get that and oh, I'm scheming. I go, man, this is an adventure of a lifetime. 500 in, 
I have no idea what the next 500 bring, but I tell you what, I'm excited to do it. I step in this studio every time and I'm just like, like, come on, this is what I'm doing every day. You kidding me? 500 episodes. Ooh. And, uh, you guys have been, um, right along there for it. I was, I was texting. I got a, I got a, a young guy hired. So shout out to Jack out of St. Louis. He's been, uh, uh, doing some work for me and, and, doing a lot of the social media because as you guys have heard from from me for a long time I'm not uh, I'm not big on that I, I, I just I want to I want to talk to people I want to I want to interact with you via the phone because I, I feel like text or a phone call is actual human interaction even though it isn't quite but it's getting closer and my goal for 2023 was a million downloads I'm not talking social media I'm not posting on Rumble I'm talking about people downloading it on Spotify Apple different podcast apps. And where I sit right now is I am 280,000 away from hitting that goal. And I'm telling you that that is a feasible goal. You go, holy man, that's a lot. Think about it. We're closing in on 750,000 downloads total. And we have a little over a quarter of the year to go. So this is doable. And I need your help to do that, which means you got the greatest guest connections or you got great guest ideas and you need me to chase it down, I want to hear about it. If you think I knock it out of the flip and park, I need you to share it. I need you to, uh, uh, you know, like the, the world is censoring everything right now. You say shoelace and somehow that's either racist or, or somehow it's medical misinformation or whatever the word is or the world spot is. Everything's getting censored. So the only way I can get things out is if I rely heavily on you guys. And ladies, for that matter. You know, we were making the joke earlier that uh, something about mankind, and you mean, you mean person kind. I'm like, yeah, right, right, person kind. Anyways, that's the the type of uh, <laughs> content you come here for. But I look at it and I go, when I started 2023 and I set the lofty goal, you know, we, it took three years, three and a half years, three and a bit, I guess, to get to a million downloads. I was like, okay. Can I get a million in a year? And I just said, yeah, you can get a million in a year, Sean. Okay? And I don't talk about numbers a whole awful lot. Except I set that bloody goal at the start, and I just checked the numbers because I got a young guy working with me, and he said, oh, what would the numbers been like? And I'm like, I have no idea. So right now, 2023 is the best year ever. I'm speaking downloads, okay? But I'm not happy yet. I'm extremely happy all the time, but what I want is I want a million in 2023. I don't care if it takes me to December 31st at the last hour. That's what I want. And I need your help to get there, which means when I'm doing great things, I need you to share it. And when you think you got somebody you want me to talk to, I want to hear about it. So that's what the text line is there for. And uh, I look forward to the next 500. I, I got no idea where this road goes. I sometimes get a little bit darkened or I think the world is heading in dark place. But, uh, you know, in the darkest times of my life, which would have been probably the last three years, I found all you. So, heck, I'm not saying bring on the dark, but I'm saying at least I got some people that uh, are thinking like me. I know they're out there. And we're starting to come together. We're starting to see different things. We're starting to push back and all that great stuff. So if you got guest suggestions, I want to hear about it. If you know how to get said guest, maybe put that in the text too. Because, uh, um, you know, if, if somebody's sitting there going, hey, I could get you Jordan Peterson. Because everybody knows I wanted them for episode 500. Then uh, I'm looking right at you, even though I can't see you. But that's what I want. I want the, I want the best. And today with Jonathan Pajot, 
I mean, we got one of the best in Canada again, you know, and Canada just keeps throwing these gems at me that are just fantastic. And a lot of that is your suggestions. So you got suggestions. I want to hear it. Um, you know, my goal 2023, I want a million downloads. That's what I'm going for. That was a big goal of mine that I, I set at the start of the year. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but I just looked at the numbers and I'm on pace to be dang close. And uh, with your help, I know we can crush it. So I appreciate you sticking around for 500. I can't wait for the next 500. And I'm fired up on this side. It is a Wednesday. Let's go. Thank you all for being here, wherever you're at, to the farmers in the field, to the, the whoever doing the dishes, to the oil guy or lady, for that matter, driving down the road, going to work, wherever it is. Appreciate you uh, tuning in and doing this and having a little bit of fun. And hopefully I'm giving you some thought-provoking entertainment, uh, some informative discussions that help give you a better understanding of not only our world, but our, 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 our country and our province and maybe even your town. Now, before we get on to Jonathan Pajo, let's get to today's episode sponsors, uh, Guardian Plumbing and Heating, home of the Guardian Power Station, bringing free electricity to everyone, as well as reliable off-grid solutions, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and beyond. Go to guardianplumbing.ca where you can schedule your next appointment at any time. Caleb Taves, Renegade Acres, if you forgot, community spot here, if you forgot today, make sure you head on down to uh, uh, City of Lloyd, uh, um, City Hall. We got a march starting at 11 on the button. Would love to have you come and and march the highway with us in support of uh, parent, parental rights and, and keeping sexualization out of um, you know out of the schools. Uh, the deer and steer butchery. I was just in with Brian and Barry uh, last week cutting up uh, meat. Every time I do it, it is one of the funnest experiences of of the year. Now I'm not sitting here saying I would do it every day. Sorry, boys. But I do find it just like super cool to watch uh, when they are cutting things up and how it all works and everything, like how it all works. It's just, it's really entertaining and it's, you know, it's enjoyable work. So if you need any uh, animals butchered um, or in in the case of the deer and steer, they are also seeking a dedicated experienced butcher to join them, not as an employee, but as a partner. Reach out, 780-870-8700. Erickson Agro out of Irma, Alberta. That's Kent and Tasha Erickson, family farm, raising four kids, growing food for their community in this great country. So happy that I get to team up with uh, community-minded folks. Silver Gold Bull, North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers in Calgary, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, they insure fast fully, insca- uh, oh man, insured. I almost didn't have a, a, a whoopsie here, but here it is. Discreet shipping right to your doorstep. Silver Gold Bull offers a diverse set of services, including buyback, wholesale, registered savings, and IRA accounts, as well as storage, refining solutions. Trust Silver Gold Bull to elevate your precious metals investments journey with unrivaled expertise and unparalleled convenience. Your prosperity and security are top priority, making Silver Gold Bull the go-to choice for all your precious metals, uh, precious metal needs. Just head to silvergoldbull.ca. Now, let's get on to the tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, chemicals, delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field location. For more information, visit them at hancockpetroleum.ca.
He's a French-Canadian icon, carver, public speaker, and YouTuber exploring the symbolic patterns that underlie our experience of the world, how these patterns emerge and come together, manifesting in religion, art, and in popular culture. He's also the editor of the Orthodox Arts Journal and host of the Symbolic World blog and podcast. I'm talking about Jonathan Pajot. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Jonathan Pajot, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast today. I'm sitting with Jonathan Pajot. So first off, sir, thanks for uh, hopping on. No, it's great to meet you. You know, um, it, in, the way it worked from my side with uh, was I had uh, Verveke on, and he, me and him had this chat. And after we sat and chatted for a bit, and I said, you know, I'd love to carry on this conversation. Who would you suggest? And he, he brought up uh, yourself, and I was like, oh, all right, yeah, absolutely. Because, <laughs> um, you know, this probably... You've probably gotten over this fact, um, but uh, you're kind of like an internet, I don't know, I don't know the word to stick after that, but lots of people know exactly who you are. And uh, our book club has been watching the Exodus uh, series, uh, obviously Jordan Peterson uh, and the Daily Wire putting that together. And uh, so we've been discussing that a little bit. I haven't got to the end of it, so don't spoil anything for don't me. Don't spoil Exodus <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, but it, regardless, uh, I feel like most people know who you are. But uh, if I've learned anything uh, sitting in this uh, chair for as many episodes as I've done, I never uh, jumped to that conclusion. So I want to get you to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, um, who you are and, and and maybe just, I don't know, some of uh, schooling or upbringing or, or whatever you think sticks out in your early years to get you to where, uh, you know, you're you're on YouTube talking about all the things that you do. <laughs> So, yeah, so I do have a very particular upbringing in a way that is, you know, I'm from French, I'm from Quebec, so I'm French Canadian. French is my first language. And uh, I grew up in a, in a home where my father was a Baptist minister who had converted from Catholicism, you know, and in the, you know, Quebec used to be one of the most Catholic places in the world. And then in the 1970s, the, the church kind of collapsed and people uh, just ex just exited from the church. And some people moved towards evangelical Christianity, which is what my parents did. And so I grew up in that context, which is kind of a strange context. So, but it's like everybody in the church was a convert from Catholicism, basically. Um, and so I grew up very much like in the Bible world and and people who who study the Bible and, and love God and everything. And then in my 20s, though, I started to ask a lot of questions about certain things and looking into history. And also with my brother as well, having some intuitions about the way that the, the, way that the, the, the Christian tradition had, had functioned. And so anyways, we started studying traditional symbolism and traditional stories, and we really fell in love with that world. And I was, I had studied to become an artist. And so that also led me to becoming a, uh, an artist in the church. So I make icons for churches. I carve icons out of wood and stone. And uh, that was my job uh, for quite a while until I met Jordan Peterson. And then Jordan Peterson, I started talking with him because the ideas that I developed with my brother were concorded with a lot of his ideas. I was really surprised. This was before he was famous. And uh, for some reason, he kind of decided to throw me out there and we started doing events together. And we, you know, before he became uber famous, we did a, like a whole series of events together. And uh, that friendship has kind of kept me in the public eye in some ways. And so I 
I take I took it seriously. People started writing emails, started asking questions, and I realized that a lot of people were struggling with meaning in their life. So instead of and I didn't know what to do, so I thought, well, I'll do what Jordan did, which is make YouTube videos. So and everybody was kind of doing that, so I started making YouTube videos and yeah, so just one thing after another led to the situation where all of a sudden, you know, you have whatever like two almost 200,000 followers and it's like how did this happen? But uh we're in a strange time in history. People it's a it's a strange moment where a lot of things are changing. So maybe that explains it. Um, I'm going to rewind uh, one of the things you said. Y you mentioned uh, Catholicism and everyone switching over to evangelical Christianity, and that everybody in the church basically had switched from one to the other. Um, I feel like I know parts of this. I've had different uh, people from Quebec on before, but uh, I feel like. I'm well, not missing something. I, I'd be interested to hear why that was. Why did everybody switch from Catholicism over to a different church, a different uh, branch, if you would? Yeah, well, most people didn't do that. I mean, most people left Catholicism altogether, or most people became nominal Catholic. In Quebec. Right? Yeah, yeah, in Quebec. In, in Quebec, they were like, no more of this. That's right. The These people basically, it's as if, you know, in some ways what happened in Quebec, what's happening all over the world in the 1960s, which was this kind of revolutionary thinking and, and revolutionary approach to, to reality. It's just that in Quebec, Quebec had hold, held on so strongly to its Catholic heritage and to a kind of more traditional way of, uh, of thinking, and in some ways even overemphasizing it in order to protect itself from the modern world, then when the backlash came, it was massive. And basically, in one generation, the church got pretty much eviscerated. When you talk about backlash, what do you mean? So, I mean, the way things work is you can understand that whatever action causes a reaction, you know, that's just how it functions. And so what, what are the things that happen in the modern world? Let's say during at the Enlightenment, it probably started before, but let's say it started getting stronger in the Enlightenment is you have this kind of pendulum that starts to swing. You could call it like a pendulum between centralization and decentralization. You could call it a pendulum between order and chaos. You know, that's how Jordan talks about it. And, and so what you have is you have movements that are more and more revolutionary in order to kind of break down the, the traditional structure. And then you also have movements that, which counteract that. We have movements which resist to that. And to resist to that, they have to become stronger. And so you have, you know, you think about the, think about the move between the French Revolution and Napoleon. So you have this like anarchism that sweeps in and then you have centralization, which comes back and kind of takes control. So you have this pendulum which swings all through all through history, especially since the Enlightenment. And what happened in Quebec and actually in Quebec, but in Ireland and in other places, is that the Catholic Church was trying to resist a lot of the what it perceived to be the kind of madness of the modern world and this kind of anarchism and this breakdown. And so it became extreme, extremely yeah, uh, invasive, you know, all the stories in Quebec that you hear about priests going around house to house, you know, and watching how many children women had. And if they if they'd gone more than one year without a child, they would like go knock on the house and say, you know, Madame so-and-so, you know, you're not encouraging the family, uh, trying to get them to have more children. And so the 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 Catholic the Catholic Church held this 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 grip on on Quebec society suffocating power yeah but one of the problems and this is 
I mean, this is the problem with Quebec in general, and it's not just Quebec; it's everywhere that you have this issue. Is that then the the the, the, the revolutionary types, the more Marxist, the more leftish leftist types, they they created this monster. It's like the Catholic Church, and we're going to basically sweep it aside. We're going to we're going to revolt against the Catholic Church. But the problem is that the Catholic Church is just us. It's like the, the Catholic Church in Quebec was your uncles and your aunts and your cousins. That's who the Catholic Church was. And so now it's still very strong. Like the, the French Canadians still have this vision, like the Catholic Church did this to us. But it's like the Catholic Church is nothing else than French Canadians. It is nothing else than, like I said, it's nothing else than the people of your own family. And so until French Canadians are able to reappropriate the things that they did to themselves we're gonna we're just gonna keep playing this weird pendulum of centralization and decentralization the the, the french canadians still act like look if you look at what happened in covid it was it was insane like the french canadians are just sheep and now they're just now you know the premier was basically our little pope and everybody he was like daddy right he was like the daddy of our culture it's like daddy premier and we're all going to just follow whatever he says and we're all just going to fall in line like little sheep and so it's like nothing has changed but it's like this anyways i don't know why i'm talking about that so much but it's like <laughs> i have this annoyance at 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 uh at french canadian culture and the thing is that once it's flip when it switches it switches like it's not going to stay the same forever so i don't know what's going to happen but when when the French Canadians flip, they like flip in the, in the whole thing. That they vote for Bloc Québécois uh, at the federal level until they don't, and then the one year that they don't, none of them do, and you don't even know why. It's like this like massive sheep culture. I don't know. Sorry, well, we're off subject here. Well, no, I I I I uh, I, I appreciate your thoughts because yeah. uh, one of the things I think you know when you talk about the 1960s and. And like basically the, you know, we're done with this. And we're going to have a big revolt against the Catholic Church. And what, you know, like, well, I was an 80s baby and mm -hmm. I just think of uh, Western culture in general. I can't speak to Quebec. I've been there, I think, once or twice in my life. It's a beautiful province. I was surprised because you know, out here in Alberta, you know, you get taught to hate the Quebecers and, and everything else. And I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but not, not that much because, yeah. you know, but at the same time, like you get out to Quebec and or, or Ontario for that matter. And uh, you realize how beautiful our country is and like how wonderful the people are and, and on and on and on. But one of the things uh, I've felt over uh, the course of my life, and I'm, you know, I'm only 37, but for sure the first 26 years, I thought I had it all figured out, mm -hmm. which is probably a very standard thing for most young men, old. right? And, <laughs> but in Western culture, uh, there was just no emphasis put on um, church, the Bible, even yeah. though it's like the underpinning of of a lot of our culture, and I just didn't realize any of that. So when you when you talk about just even Quebec moving away, Quebec is a big part of Canada. Like yeah. they hold a big stick, and even though the culture annoys you, out of here we look at it and we go like they hold this giant stick that gets to whack Trudeau around whenever they want to, and we're all in admire it. We're like, how is this a thing? You know, because uh, as a young Canadian out in the West, I go like, we we got our own thing. We should also be carrying a stick. We could probably pick up a stick if we want. Yeah. You know, Danielle Smith certainly trying to. But in in the course of the last seven years, I guess, Jonathan, what I'm getting to is I stumbled on Jordan Peterson. Mm. And then I stumbled on a guy like you. And then I started actually reading the Bible. And okay. you started going back almost 
when you talk about the pendulum swinging, I see the pendulum swinging back to people. You know, you mentioned uh, people struggling with meaning. And where do you find that? And I assume, you know, when when you get into your carvings and, and your symbolism and everything, there's a whole lot of meaning held up in those things. I mean, I think that there's no way for Western civilization besides Christianity to, to whatever solve the meaning problem. I don't, I just don't see it. You can't, you can't make up, uh, you can't make up a bearing. Like you can't make up your guiding star. You just can't do that. And as you know, and I see it here, like in in Quebec, since we're talking about Quebec, it's, it's interesting. It's like, you know, we, we moved against the Catholic church. Like we kind of got rid of it. And the, the French Canadian culture was very strong, like our history in terms of faith and in terms of, and if you read the story of Samuel de Champlain, for example, like just how strong a man of faith he was and how much integrity he had, you know, we have some impressive characters in our history, but now we can't even, we can barely talk about them anymore because faith is so strong a part of what they, what they were, you know? And so, we're stuck in this problem where, you know, Quebec moved from Catholicism into nationalism, but you could have predicted that that nationalism was going to last one generation and then would just vanish. And, and there would be nothing to hold because nationalism is not enough to hold your meaning. And so Quebec went from Catholicism to like massive nationalism to now, basically I would say, you know, it's like our cultural output is basically comedians and circuses you know, it's like that's who we are. We're basically Cirque du Soleil and a bunch of, and a bunch of like stand-up comedians, and and that's what that's what's left of our of our culture. There's not much left, and so you can see it kind of break down. And so the the idea that once you once you put aside the the transcendent, you know, things fall apart pretty quickly, and it happens. Like I said, it doesn't take very long. It takes like one, two generations, and then and then it's pretty much over. Do you think um, you, you mentioned that? Uh, and maybe I got this wrong. You said faith is so strong with uh, with some of the stories of of um, generations past with the French, correct? That, it, that, that that faith and the the church. I'm not even Catholic, by the way. I just just to say that, like I, I don't have allegiance uh, one way or the other, but the the Catholic presence was not viewed as negative by the French Canadians for the first few hundred years of their, of their story. And it was a very strong component of their identity and, you know, their capacity to survive in such a harsh environment at the beginning. It was a huge part of their life. Well, you think to be living here on, on, in our country, uh, you can understand like there was, there was probably like, listen, this is how things are done. It was probably a relatively strict living arangement, you know, like uh, because if you got out of line, you literally died. <laughs> like That's this right. place, this place isn't like, and I'm sure Florida has its problems. I, I'm sure it does, you know, crocodile snakes. Um, I could probably go on a few different things, <laughs> but regardless, the weather eight months of the year ain't trying to end your life. That's and right. as we all know up here, you know, it hits this time of year. We just had a plus twenty five day yesterday, and it was like no wind, and we're all like. Well, this is, well, enjoy this, right? Because like, you know, we all know, I hate to even talk about it. It's like on the podcast, you start talking, spring is here. I can't, I can't, I'm so excited. And then I'm like, oh man, do, am I saying like, it felt like winter last night? No, better not throw that out into the world and, and let them feel that, you know? But we all know here in Canada, 
You know, it's it's one of the amazing things about honestly the Freedom Convoy that went to Ottawa is that it happened in the dead of winter. Yeah, right. That's the worst time ever to be driving on the roads. Everyone's like, now nah, just stay home, right? Like, and so when you go back to the you know a couple hundred years ago, I, I agree, John. Like, honestly, you go. They probably had strict rules, and there was probably reason for that because majority of this country wanted to kill you in one way or another. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And that and that one of the things that definitely held them together was uh, was their faith. That is for sure. One of the things that kind of kept them capable of going through the harshness of the of the world that was pre- presented to them. And so that's a that's a I, I like that thought because you know it's it's funny every generation has its um, inflection point. I, I don't know exactly what to call it. Maybe you have your own thought. I was listening, you know, I go back to, I, I've been, you know, you get listening to you guys. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to write down some notes on a couple different things. And it was it was actually, uh, I, I can't remember if it was Jordan or one of the other panelists on the, on the group had said every generation needs a war to sort of what's important or maybe it's moral equivalent. And I was like, wow, that's a, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so when you talk about faith is so strong, and then you talk about how, how they probably need their faith to hold them together, I look at the last couple of years, and I see, you know, I look at myself in the journey, and I would say the, the podcast listener, you know, when I first started out talking, you know, you can see the jerseys on the wall, I was talking strictly hockey, you know, Don Cherry and Ron McLean and Glenn Sather and Oilers winning cups and, you know, and this and that and everything else, and now to be in talking to Jonathan Pajo, it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> But I see this whole trend of people, you, you, I bring it back to the struggling with meaning. I didn't realize it at the time. And then I went and saw Jordan Peterson live well before, probably on his rise, but not, I mean, compared to where he was the last time he was Edmonton at Rogers Place, he was just in some hotel. And some of the things he just said, you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And one of the things I see happening right now over the past three years is, is the world's gotten a little bit crazy. I'm not yeah. saying it has not always been crazy. I'm just saying right now it is upside down. It is yeah. a little bit insane. And I think what's starting to hold people together is their faith because yeah. every time you think it can't go a little further, it gets weirder it and crazier and and madness. And so maybe like for the people listening to you, I can help them understand a little bit about that and or a little sure. bit about because when we say something like if I say something like people's faith kept in together, it sounds like a nice sentimental statement. And uh, this has nothing to do with this, that kind of sentimentalism. You know, human beings function through care. That's how we function. That is that we move towards the things we care about. You know, that's as true when you drink a glass of water as it is true when you're taking care of your kids as it is true when you vote, right? Everything that you do is bound in care. So you notice something that's important, something that you care about, then you move towards it and then you resolve that care right you you join with the thing that you're moving towards now humans figured out over over a very long time that that scales and that unless you put something above the cares of the everyday things don't work so if all you care about is money then then you're going to end up fighting over money right if all you care about is the economy it doesn't it's not enough to hold things together and so that is one of the reasons for religions is that religions place care above these worldly concerns. It says there's something above everything, which is holding everything together. And that 
is that the thing that you should at first of all care for? And then everything else kind of comes down from that. And if you care for something which is secondary, like I said, like even if it's your family, even if it's your nation, even if it, if you care about that the most, more than anything else, then things will devolve. Things will start to break down because it, it's not enough to hold hold it together. And so that's why if you and so what happens is like if you look at a short history of Western civilization, we're like. What's this weird God thing? We've got this God thing and these churches that are higher than all the other buildings. You know, it's like they ring bells and we, 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 you know, they call us to attention and we celebrate our, our weddings. And, and so it's like, that's what the role that it was playing. It was the place to gather you together. It's like, we come together in the church to celebrate all the important things and to, to, to kind of remind ourselves that we're supposed to submit ourselves to the source of everything, which is infinite love. But then people are like, that's just stupid superstition. We don't need that. We just need our nation. Like, we just need our ethne. And then things start to devolve. And then when that happens, like, we just need our ethne. And then world war. Oh, okay. Well, we didn't think that that was going to happen. How do we deal with this world war thing? And then it just keeps devolving. And then it's like, well, maybe it's just economy. Like, we don't we don't really care about, it's not so much about nation. It's just about making money and, 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 and. So the, as the care devolves, things start to like devolve as well. And ultimately people are like, well, money and then entertainment. It's like, let's just stay distracted. Let's put all our attention on things that keep us distracted. And by the time the, the wheel finishes turning, you're basically in a carnival and everybody's just watching porn and playing video games and eating junk food. And nobody knows and everybody's is depressed because they have no higher attention no higher care which is binding them and so people like jordan is like okay let's rebuild it from the bottom now right let's let's start so you're, you're just sitting around you know whatever how is it jordan says it's like covered in cheetos dust you know playing your video games <laughs> overweight you know depressed all that stuff all right so let's let's start by making you care a little bit about something more right it's like let's give you a bit of discipline like let's just try to make your bed, try to order things around you, try to think that's important, care for beauty, care for little things, then care for family. But that also scales up too. And it's like, you realize if you start to build that, it's also not enough. Like if you try to hold on to, obviously Jordan, when Jordan says, make your bed, he, he knows that that's not enough to sustain you, but it's like a little step to, to build up. Obviously, if you stop and make your bed and you think that'll be the purpose of your life, you're going to fall back down in your dust, Cheetos dust really, really fast. But it's like you can scale up. And what humans realize is that that scales up all the way towards something like the transcendent, something like, you know, the, the infinite good. So you have all these little goods that are fine, but they're not enough to hold you. And you keep looking up and then ultimately you realize that you know, it's like the love for another person, the love for your children, that kind of sacrificial love. That's one of the highest ones. It's the image of that even higher love, which you can attain, which is basically facing the source of everything and kind of being recognizing it and having gratitude towards it. And that's actually what holds the the world together. Yeah, it's 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 um, it's a healthy addiction almost, you know, like you talk about the Cheetos and the porn and the video games. That's an that's an addiction. It's yeah. just taking you to a place you shouldn't go because once you're there, you know you're gonna wake up one day and, like you say, covered in Cheeto dust and and playing I don't know twelve hours straight and your eyeballs want to fall out or whatever else. 
And one of the things about just having a little bit of discipline, making your bed, going for a walk in the morning, is you get this, you get this like, and I, I need somebody who's the scientific side of this to just be like, this is what it's doing to your body. But you get this feeling that you haven't had, and you're like, oh, I like that. How do I get more of that? Well, and then it starts to progress. And I think of I think of like a, a staircase. The only thing the only thing is you know uh, that you don't realize, and the only way you realize is it by getting booted down the staircase a few times. Is it isn't like you just take a walk up and you're on the, you know the tenth, and then it's the eleventh. It's like you hit the eighth and then you fall down five, and you're like that hurt. That really hurt. I don't know if I want. I didn't see that coming. And then you got to pick yourself up and you got to do it all over again. And then you make it to the 20th and then you may fall all the way back down again and it may hurt all over. Anyways, you, you get the yeah, point and exactly. you're laughing at me because no, I assume that's, you that's agree. super important. But, and it's not just that is that in some ways, in some ways saying it's an addiction is, is I understand where you're saying that, but it's difficult because the problem with that is that it's not an addiction. Ultimately, what I mean by that is, you know, it's like the way we talk about theology, sometimes people think it's just arbitrary, right? It's like, but the, the way that we describe theological things, it's actually quite coherent. So people will say something like God will never, God lets you have your free will. Like God will not take away your free will. And that's like, that sounds like just a nice statement, but it's it's more than that, which is that the things that are the best for you require your effort. The things that are the worst for you are the ones that become addictions. The one and the thing about an addiction is that an addiction is something that is ruling over you, hmm. right? That's a, that's an addiction, and so it's actually you're submitting yourself to something, and then that thing is ruling over you. And so in some ways, it's easy because it's it just I mean just follow the pattern, right? Just just stay shackled. It's a lot easier to stay shackled, but being free, you know, and moving up is always hard. It's not easy. Loving your family, loving your neighbor, you know, loving loving your spouse for a long time, it is going to be hard. It's not going to be an addiction. And that's why it's so it's so easy to fall back down because whatever it is, that bottle that that just like that 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 cycle that that say manages you, that takes over your life. That's easy. I guess I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push on it just a little yeah, bit. Because uh, when you talk about an addiction having hold of you, uh, I, I actually really agree with that. Um, I guess when I started, I, I haven't got through, I'm, I'm going to be, a, you know, you, Jonathan doesn't realize this, folks, but obviously all of you do. I'm on Galatians right now. So I started in the New Testament. I've been mm. working my way through. Anyways, what I read is, you know, I, I agree. I don't love the the term addiction, but anyway, sticking with that term, yeah. when I say a healthy addiction, you know, you're submitting yourself to Jesus, to God. Yeah, you're becoming it, a slave. To, you're becoming a slave to God. But the problem that is the problem that becoming a slave to God is this annoying slavery, which is that God leaves you free. That's the that's what's annoying with that slavery. It's like. You wish that God would just take your free will away and say, like, you know, it's like, I want to smoke. God, just make me stop smoking. God, please just do that. Like, I'm your slave. I'm, and God's like, well, you know what? No. It's like, I will help you. I will guide you. I will pull you up. But in the end, you got to put that elbow grease in because yeah, you I want control you to be over free. Flesh. I don't want you to be 
so the slavery we are obviously slaves to God, but it's a, it's a weird irony the way that Saint Paul talks about it too. You know, it's like uh, it's not it's it's a type of slavery that ultimately sets you free from all the other things that that enslave you. You know, and so but it, the, but that that right there that that's what I mean. I guess it's a type of slavery that set sets you free from all the other ones. Yeah, right. Like it. That's 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 a. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. Well, yeah, you're not you you can't be free. You can never be totally free in the sense of self-naming, you know, like the way that people think they can do now and just self giving yourself your own authority and your own you, it has to come from above. That is necessary. Uh but it but it's diff, it's harder. It's more like running a race, right? That's why St. Paul talks about it that way too. And Christ kind of gives it both, like he says both, right? It's like on the one hand, it's like carry your cross. And then on the other hand, he says, my yoke is easy. It's like, okay, so which one is it, Jesus? You know, and it's hard because it's both at the same time. It's like, if you kind of give up your, if you give up the things that bind you in the world, you get this lightness, right? You kind of feel light. Uh, but it's also hard to do that. It's not easy to give up those things that hold you down. I'm curious, you know, um, I'm curious, how closely did you follow Ottawa? You mean what the trucker protest? Yes, I, I went there. <laughs> okay, well then, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I went. I went. I went. We did. We did two, two, two. Like one, we went all the way to Ottawa. The other one, we kind of encouraged people on the road. Uh, so it was like two, two, two days that we got involved. Uh, I'm, I'm interested your, your uh, background, your thoughts on it, because uh, this was a very. Um, emotional time mm. uh lots of different things going on and i i ottawa sent me home licking my wounds in a bunch of different senses not in the sense that it was like i got beat up or anything like that it was like uh anyone who was there um you know experienced all these wonderful things like you mm. know when they talk about bouncy houses and kids playing hockey and you know and just peace and love and you know like uh one of the cool things for me i, I tease you about uh quebec and kind of what i was taught you know like uh, you had quebec and alberta meeting up with their flags and taking pictures and just like you know uh everything else all the feels but one of the things i uh I was not ready for was the the symbolism and I didn't even understand half of it you know like the 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 pilgrimage I call it uh, across Canada through the worst weather ever to to uh, meet in Ottawa to stand protest in front of all these giant buildings and 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 the 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 unison of the horns and the just I don't know and on and on it went and I was just curious you know is what I am talking about Ah, there's nothing there. Or when you hear you, you start to rattle it off, you're like, oh no, like the power of symbolism in what Canadians did during that time would evoke XYZ. I don't know. Yeah. So I think that I think that the way that the, the truckers conducted themselves in general, I think was was in the right manner because one of the problems with protests sometimes is that it can have a revolutionary taste. It can have a revolutionary whiff to it, right? If you look at Antifa protests, for example, after Trump got elected in the U S I mean, they were trying to take federal buildings for months. Like it was, it was a revolution and they created independent zones and, you know, like that they were not in the United States of America and all this stuff. So, that's the danger of protest is that it has a it has a revolutionary whiff and that leads nowhere that leads to 
to chaos. That's for sure. And one of the things the truckers had was they didn't have that revolutionary tinge. They were like, we are Canada. And now we're going to remind you of what it is that is important to us. But we're not going to do it in a way that's going to try to overthrow the government, despite what Jagmeet Singh says, despite the nonsense that the media says. There was none of that there. It was all like, we're just going to make noise and we're going to remind you of what what is what is Canada. And it was done with a love for country. It was done with a with a with actually uh, quite a bit of patriotism. And I thought that it was actually quite masterfully done. And in that sense, it it played a kind of it did have a kind of ritual aspect to it, something like, a, you know, something akin to Moses going to see the Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And saying, I'm not going to I'm not going to revolt against you, right? The Israelites are not going to revolt against you, Pharaoh, but let our people go. And that's what God wants. That's the truth. That's what's true. And I think that that was, you know, I think that the truckers' insights about what was going on with especially the the, the, the vax passports and the, the push towards these types of measures, they understood very clearly what is down the road from that, which is social credit systems and what, what, is, what happened in China in the last decade. And they're like, that's not Canada. We do not want that. Um, and so I, I think that that's, I think that all of it was quite, uh, admirable. And, and I, and I think that, like you said, the, the tone of it was, was perfect because it was, it was like, we're angry, but we're not out of control, right? We are, we are going to manifest this, but we're not going to break things. We're not going to do all the things. And it's crazy because, you know, and you, this is where you see just how distorted our media landscape is. And because, uh, you know, during during Obama's time in the U.S. and then during Trump's time in the U.S., there were massive riots all over the United States, like cities burning, buildings burning, you know, like I said, neighborhoods getting taken over. And the media is just like, "Mm, this is fine. Like this is this is actually fine. This is all good. Right. What is it? What was the the thing? It was like uh, uh, it's like a. It's like burning, but mostly peaceful, peaceful protests. I remember, I forget what he said, the guy, which was just insane. And so, and so that is not what the trucker protest was. I mean, I'm sure there were a few strange things that happened. People, a few people maybe got too drunk or whatever. Uh, and, and when I was there, I even saw it. Like I even saw the, the media, you know, like they're focusing their camera. They're trying to find something. And obviously there was always something to find in the corners and the details, but the general, uh, feeling of it was was not that so so yeah so it's it just shows you just how distorted the landscape has become when something like that could be represented as a as a horrible like revolutionary violent thing it's like there's nothing of that there i wanted to throw a thought at you this morning and i i because I, I agree with everything you just said and and I it was I I can't remember if I'm, I can't I should have listened to it again to to know if I'm getting the name right. You can correct me. Is it Doctor Oz Guinness? Yeah, he had said uh, different festivals over the the course of history um, looked at you know participating in, in in summer fall they they mimicked certain things. But the one that that stuck out to me, 
And I was wondering about, you know, because you've experienced it, was he said something along the lines of Jewish festivals were festivals of history where they taught them to follow as if they were there. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've been curious about with the Bible, and, uh, you know, once again, take me as, a, as an amateur or as a very green, and I'm just looking at it, you know, is I, I look at so many stories as just stories, nothing else. They were just a, 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 somebody had an adventurous mind, you know, I think of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings or, you know, the Dune, the second part of the Dune movie is supposed to be coming out this year, uh, you know, Harry Potter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I'm not saying go buy a wand and, and go have it, folks, but I'm just saying, you know, one of the things that about most stories, even if it happens on the other side of the world, I rarely participate. Mm. I went to my first protest ever in the middle of uh, COVID, right, you know, probably a few months right before uh before the convoy happened. And so for most of us, we don't participate. We read, we watch, etc. How important do you think participating and how transfer- transformational of an experience can that be when, you know, you follow history as it's taught to be? Because one of the things I saw play out in Ottawa was, you know, people praying and it being normal. And I was like, this is you know, this is this is not strange. I mean, I got tongue in cheek, Jonathan. I mean, I, I, but you know, like, and then there was just different things happening. That fan, I you said the word that as soon as you said it, felt very ri- ritualistic, and I don't mean it in this like cultish way. I just mean it in like normal world. We have rituals probably all the time. I, yeah. You could probably argue the drive to morning work is is a bit of a ritual, and you probably have your rituals in there. I'm a hockey player, had my ritual of how I got ready for games, et cetera, et cetera. Just from a a, a, a spiritual sense or a mystical sense or whatever the word you want to attach to it, I felt like the the drive to Ottawa, in around Ottawa, that really played out, and I didn't know how to make sense of it. Hmm. So. So ritual, like it's very, I think maybe helping you understand ritual and the difference between ritual and like you said, uh, something like entertainment. Um, ritual is, is participation. That's what ritual is. And we, we tend to think and think that's weird because we think often, a lot of people think that informal relationships are are the most real, right? It's like, if it's too ritualized, then in some way it's stilted. It's not real, but that is actually not, and that's not how we, 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 that's not how we experience reality. The most real moments of your life will usually be ritualized, which is like your wedding, a funeral, uh, you know, even the birth of your children and the idea of naming your children. All these are rituals that we engage with. And so, Rituals are compressed versions of events. Like they're like compressed things that make them, that you can engage with them in a way that you know you're joining in with a bunch of people at the same time. And so it's like when I get married, I know that I am not just, I'm participating in an an ancient thing and I'm joining in with my parents and my grandparents and my great-great-grandparents and participating in the celebration and with others that they all recognize what is going on and what is happening at this moment. And so that is, let's say, that is what ritual does. And so when people come together in groups towards a single purpose, they necessarily have to function with ritual, right? There's no other way because we have to move together. 
And so if we don't move together, then, I mean, think about it. You like, you, you said you like hockey, like hockey is a highly ritualized form of a re highly ritualized event, right? If you go see a hockey game, everything about it, it will be ritualized. The, the, the players coming onto the ice, the way they're introduced, everybody knows how it goes. And there's, there's this whole thing and you do the wave and there's these different chants. And so it's like you set up this way to be together so that we know we're together and we're not just like a dis disparate bunch of people. And so what happened at the trucker protests, like as every time people come together and join together in unison, that the, a certain rituality had to manifest itself. Sometimes it's like purely emergent. Sometimes it's not even planned. Like we don't, sometimes it's planned, but it doesn't always have to be. It, it's just necessary for, and so there are certain images, certain things that now, you'll remember about the trucker protest and usually those are the are the aspects of it which in some ways are ritualized because they can i say this they're the things they're the moments where everybody was together and everybody was chanting together everybody was facing together and there was a great speech and we're all kind of in breath listening to this in, inspiring speech or and so these are that's just how humanity that's just how human beings function that's how meaning is inevitable and part of our everyday life would you say then because like i mean I, i'm not the only one who thinks ottawa left a lasting impression i would say anyone who attended comes back a changed person from experiencing something like that so you know when you when you lay it out i'm like oh yeah like you know i go to a good wedding and my wife will be the first to tell you i can't control myself i like really enjoy it it's, it's just it's such a happy place and when you say it's an ancient thing i go yeah like that makes complete sense. So I wonder then, is it like a lack of healthy rituals? Or I don't even know if there's such a thing as an unhealthy, I'm sure there is, but is it a lack of people in the Western culture, Canada, Alberta, Quebec, I don't know. Is it a lack of rituals that when we finally got to Ottawa, it was like, what is this? Like, I can't even recognize this. I can't put my finger on this because we pulled so many of that, uh, so much of that out of our society. Yeah. Am I wrong on that? No, I think you're right. I, I I think that in some ways we we've lost the power. We've lost the the we still have it. You can't avoid it, but it we maybe we don't use it enough. Like the capacity to ritualize our world in order to create moments, like marked moments, you know. And so th that's a way to understand what ritual is. Like imagine uh, it's just a qualified moment. It's like, because you, there's all these things going on. Like I'm fidgeting, I'm moving my hands, I'm doing all this stuff. And so it's like, if you want to mark a moment, you have to ritualize it. And that's as true about a family dinner, right? Or brushing your teeth or whatever it is that you mark. It's like, this is what's going on now. It has to be marked with something which is, which is, which can be remembered in order. And so that's what you need. And so the, the, like you said, if people went to Ottawa and then they didn't quite know what was going on, but, you know, I don't think that, how can I say this? I think that th there's aspects of ritualization that you probably, maybe you didn't notice because they were so obvious to you, but, and, and you can see it. Like if you think of how meaning works, right? Think of how the, the Canadian flag was so prominently displayed which is something that in Trudeau times has actually been diminished, you know, and, and at the, during the, the national holiday that year, I think that the flags were actually banned from Ottawa, if I remember correctly, because the, the, the trucker protest 
has been able to make, has been able to make very subtly the Canadian flag into what they think is a hate symbol. Symbol. And it's sad that Canadians, as both of us know that. Yeah, but it's, really, words for but it's really important because that cannot, there's a limit to how much that can be sustained. So if the trucker people, if the people from that world understand that, and they realize that, for example, like the Canadian flag is being replaced by the pride flag, for example, you know, and it's like these things have meaning. If we can understand them, the people that, that, that are involved in this, then this is a great tool that you have to be able to actually do that, to say, oh, we are Canada. It's like the, your enemies want you to be Canada. You want to be Canada. That's a powerful thing. It's like, it's like if the liberals want to portray the Canadian flag as a hate symbol and the media want to do that, it's like that is not something that that is a weapon that is not that easy to hold if they're trying to hold it. It can be easily turned against them. And so and so I would say I would say to people that are involved in this type of thing to pay attention to that. Because because to be, I mean, it's like the Liberal Party of Canada has a has a as a red flag, as a red Canadian maple leaf as part of their logos and part of their insignias. And so they want to play that game. They're not going to win. They can't win that game. At least not, maybe in the long term, maybe in the very long term, but in the short term, they can't win the make make insignias of Canada into hate symbols. It's not going to happen. So, so I would say that the truckers have a one-up there. If they succeeded in doing something, that is something very powerful they succeeded in doing, which is, oh, you want to make our own identity, the identity of our nation, of our flag, you know, of our anthem into a hate symbol? You, the leaders of our government, that's what you want to do? Let's see how that plays out. Let's play that out and see what happens. So so anyways, I'm just saying that it's not, I, I, there are opportunities there which should not be left that should not be dropped. Let's just say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I would I would be the first to say that I think um, uh, before the trucker convoy, people were hesitant to put a, a Canadian flag out on their doorstep or what have you. You know, here here in in on the border of Alberta, Saskatchewan, the Humboldt bus crash happened, and all those athletes died you were more likely to see hockey sticks on a doorstep than a Canadian flag. Yeah. Now, obviously, that one pulled at a lot of people's hearts for obvious reasons. Kids, hockey, bus trip. I mean, even there was a DVD, a slap shot that almost made me cry because, I mean, if you've been on any hockey bus, you've watched slap shot at way too young of an age and every year after that uh, in unison It's because it's just one of the iconic things. And it was, of course, there. And for it to happen in Saskatchewan of all places, mm. you know, and so – but. After the convoy, during the convoy, you started to see people, you know, they were flying the Canadian flag upside down to announce distress to the mm. world. And by the time they got to Ottawa, they had it flipped over mm. because they were so proud. Not all of them. I shouldn't say all of them, yeah. but they were so proud of what Canada was doing. And it was starting to pull everybody together. And that was a very um, interesting moment. And I think, you know, when you when, if you're, you're sitting at the top and you're trying to do exactly what you're, you're kind of alluding to, which is like, hey, do you, are we going to make this new pride flag who Canada is? You know, we're welcome for everybody. Everybody is welcome here. What you didn't realize is a lot of people are like, no, actually, we're Canada. And this is what Canada is. And you're messing with that. Yeah. 
So, so this is important to understand that, okay, so identity is attention, right? Identity is care and identity is celebration. That is how identity functions. So if you want to know the, the if you want to like get the temperature of a society or of a world, look at what they're allowed to celebrate. And that will give you the temperature and will help you understand what it is that's going on. And so, and this is something that as people, as families, you know, as groups, we, we have some control over, which is that we have traditions that we celebrate, which we know make us who we are, right? We have Christmas, Easter, Canada Day. We have different things depending on, on, on your, you know, you have different celebrations, you celebrate your family, you have Thanksgiving, depending on different, different people. But it, there are multiple places where we come together and celebrate things. And these are very important in order to maintain unity. They, they are necessary. We need them. And so, you know, when, when those things are being attacked, right? It's like if, if when people are saying, we, we don't say Christmas, we say holidays, we don't, we don't celebrate this. And then you're like, well, what do we celebrate? Oh, we celebrate Halloween a lot. Like that's what they were allowed. That's there's no there's nothing suspicious about Halloween in like popular culture. I have nothing against Halloween. I celebrate Halloween with my kids, too. But it's like, look at where all the effort is put into. It's like put into celebrating certain things. And it's the same with the with with the pride question. It's like pride season. Really? So all summer, the whole summer, the whole thing. That, that's all it is. So we went from day to week to month to season. season. And so what is it going to be next? Is it going to be a year? There, are there going to be several in during the year? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is that's the direction. And and it has to do exactly with what it is that, you know, and it's it's not it's not like beyond whatever moral question. It's just about, it's just about global culture. It's just about, our local identities are suspicious and and what is not suspicious is just being open to everything right that's the only thing that's not suspicious it's like celebrate everything that's not me or that is not participate in the unity of our of our thing like the idea of celebrating diversity itself that's an interesting weird thing that's not it's like celebration is unity that's what celebration is Celebration is let's all stand together in a single place and let's all together like celebrate someone's birthday. And so we have a single point of attention, this person, this holiday, this this president, this prime minister, this this queen, this whatever. And we're all going to agree that we should look at that and acknowledge it as being something that binds us together. That's what celebration is. But when you say we're going to celebrate diversity. What? What? A, we're celebrating difference. Like we're celebrating that which divides us. How did that happen? And I mean, it's not like that doesn't exist. Like it doesn't exist. Even in ancient societies, there was always like a carnival. So you have the whole year you'll have celebrating things where you celebrate unity. And then once a year, usually, or a few times a year, you'll have what we call a carnival. Which is, which is the upside down world. So you have an upside down festival where you celebrate all the things that separate you, all the idiosyncrasies, all the monstrosities, all the, all the weirdness, all the like, all the, 
the turning and the excess and the color and and the you know things that you would never do in everyday life. And so you have this moment where you have carnival and everybody pretends to be something else and everybody is dressed up as an animal or a monster or whatever. But that's just one, that's just like, that's carnival. And then you move on, you know, and after carnival comes Lent, right? It's like, you kind of, it's like a moment to like mark this, this, this diversity. And then we move on to unity. So it's not that diversity is wrong. Diversity is necessary. It's wonderful. It's like, of course we need diversity. You can't just have unity. But to, to, to make the whole thing, to say something like Canada doesn't have an identity, right? Canada is a post-national nation. Canada, the only, the only value that Canada has is diversity. That is crazy. That is like, that's insanity. Because diversity without unity is decomposition. That's what decomposition is. When something rots, it's because it's diversity without unity. And so we have to be attentive to, to all of that. And for people who are who have the capacity to realize what's going on, is obviously not to be against diversity. It's like, that's ridiculous. We, obviously, you need diversity for things to exist. But it's like this weird weaponization of diversity to replace unity. Now, that's horrible. Like, that's horrible. You can't do that. That means you'll cease to exist. Well, they they promote diversity of of appearance, of of gender, of all these physical attributes, but not diversity of of, of thought. thought. That's right. That's and the only so one you can't you, so you go like one of the, the most beautiful things that happened in Ottawa. If you were there, is you saw diversity of everything, mm. of faith, creed, color, everything. Everything showed up. It's yeah, like, but it was, wow, this is, but, the, but then they didn't, and so when you talk about, you know, actions essentially speak louder than words, who didn't show up? Our leaders, <laughs> like, they but, didn't but show let's, up. Let's talk about that, though. That's how diversity should exist. It's like, in Ottawa, what you saw is people of all kinds of creeds and color, religions, whatever, coming together to celebrate something they have in common. Correct. They're not celebrating their diversity it's like there's nothing wrong with diversity. Like I said, we need it. But it's like they came together under the desire to save our nation from this authoritarian uh, tendency that it was that it, that it was coming to. And they came to celebrate their unity as Canadians. That's what you that's what we celebrate. You know, and so and so it's like if we're going to celebrate, let's say, our national holiday. Then that's what we celebrate. We celebrate it through our diversity, beyond our diversity. And it's different. So it's like a trick. It's like a weird trick that is being played on us. It's like, don't you like diversity, Sean? Are you saying diversity is bad? And you're like, you're like, oh, oh, oh. and then you just like stutter and you mutter and you don't know what to do because you're like, you're like, oh, I don't want to be called this. And well, that but this is what's so insidious about the entire <laughs> argument is because if you're, if you're, if you're just going along to get along, and you just want to work your job, and you just want to worry about your family, and you just want to celebrate Christmas and have some friends over on whatever holiday, you know. And then you get approached with, "Well, you don't like diversity, inclusion. You're not, you're not for equality. You're not for all that." It's like, well, on on this on it on this on this on the surface, I certainly am. It certainly sounds quite quite great. But then That's you right. just go back to what we just said. Like they don't want the diversity of thought. And I mean. We can all look identical. None of us think the same. And and you can stick me across from a ton of uh, people who look similar to me through COVID, and they had very different thoughts. 
and they did not uh, they did not like open discussion on it. They wanted this is what it is, and. Now, in fairness, the amount of propaganda that came through at that time, I got a lot of patience for a lot of people because, believe me, it was it was hot and heavy there for. Yeah, we shouldn't. Well, we I mean, should be very careful not to blame. No, people because 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 like you said, most most people just want to live their lives, and that is absolutely fine. But the the problem was that the propaganda was so strong and coming at all. Well, at and they're playing and they're playing on that, Jonathan. They're playing on the fact that people just. I just, you know, I just want to, I just want to work my job and and go to the lake or go to a movie or play with my kids or coach hockey or whatever it is, you know, like I, everybody has their thing. But the problem we have right now is it's being rammed and it's it's being rammed on and on and on. And if you don't start to get active, then we'll come back to right where we were all over again. And the amount of stress that comes through all that and like it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. People need to find their voice. People need to hear what uh, when when Jordan Peterson talks about clean your room, you know, take care of yourself and start to do a little better and start to speak the truth and deal with that and then eventually you're going to have it, yeah, like I mean, that's that's where we're sitting, is it not? Yeah, I think so. It's it's difficult. How can I say this? Like it's <laughs> It's like I find it it, it, it's it, I find for me like personally I just find it very difficult to be involved politically and I think most people do it's just really hard because you're you're like ah oh, man it's so it's like getting dirty right that's how no but feel. but but in fairness but in fairness uh, yeah let's take politics and put it to what you said to me earlier about ritual ritual is actually happening all over the place. Politics is actually happening all over the place. Politics mm. doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden run for the PPC or the CPC or whatever else, you know, out there. It, like, literally, you work, you know, I used to work for a big corporation. And I lost my voice partial way through it because I realized everything I said was making people uncomfortable. <laughs> and I was like, but I just... I just don't understand, right? And I became that guy, that guy that everyone's like, can you just shut up, Sean? And can we just get on with our day and whatever? And so to me, that's being involved just as much as running for the, you know, mm. uh, whatever party. Because I feel like it plays out more in our lives. It, there's a there's a way to have the conversation with your family and everyone else in a respectful manner that can maybe start to open some eyes so that you get a flood of people um, pushing the direction we all want to go because there's a common ground that a lot of people can share. I, I mean, we've been talking about that, right? Uh, it, the fact that you can all show up with all your diversity on a day to celebrate one thing and put aside any differences to be like, this is really important. Mm. Yeah, then that that's really, I think that that for sure is important. I mean, I at least at least for 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 myself, you know that the the covid situation made me realize just how how can i say this just how precious the possibility we have of joining together and being together and kind of celebrating the things that bind us like whether it's church life family life all these things meeting with with other people uh and so well, in you, some ways i hopefully it had that effect on people like that's a positive effect that he might have had which is that you know made you realize just how you have to you have to not take those things lightly because they can be taken away from you you know what gives me a lot of hope is finding more and more canadians such as yourself i i uh when i started this 
you know, um, five years ago almost, five years in February, I shouldn't jump ahead of myself, but you know, like uh, I was saying episode 500, right? Like, whoo, like how did that happen, right? Um, you were talking at the start, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers. How did that happen? So, I, I mean, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You got to start and you got to move and, and, and different things. And one of the things I found through COVID is I'm like, holy crap, that we, Canada has an amazing amount of people that got their, their stuff together, head screwed on straight, speaking very articulately, understand problems and are pushing in different in their own specific way. And uh, finding yourself and others, Jonathan, gives me a lot of hope because there's a lot of independent media now that is coming and bubbling up through the surface as well, along with influencers and different people talking, et cetera, et cetera. And that's going to help just as much as anything. Yeah, well, we hope so. We hope in some ways that that say certain players overplayed their cards during COVID and that the reaction is is strong enough and that people realize what was going on. And, you know, a lot of... For example, like it's interesting the, the people talk when people say the trucker protest didn't succeed or whatever. It's like I think it succeeded to a large extent. You know, maybe not as much as they hoped, but it definitely succeeded quite a bit because before the just before the trucker protest in Quebec, they were talking about increasing the vax pass. They're talking about uh applying it to grocery stores and and like really clamping down. They'd already tried and had it and had uh um it went through court and it got pulled. Man. Right, they'd already tried that. They were talking about border crossings in our between provinces, yeah, between provinces and stuff. Right, we had a snitch line out here. They were talking about government facilities starting for quarantine centers, and on and on and on. This story went. Yeah, and so uh, they. So it seems like they. What it showed, hopefully, is that there's still enough people with life in them and and a kind of attention to that that we're not going to too easily fall into a, an authoritarian well, system. Let me, let me ask you this. Before COVID, let's just rewind the clock four years, let's just say. Four years that way, we're, we're well before that. What media organization in Canada did you pay attention to? No, I mean, I had been ruined for a very long time because I was friends with Jordan Peterson. So <laughs> I got ruined in 2016. In 2016, <laughs> I, like, I, I, I was like, because I was friends with Jordan and all of a sudden they were saying all these crazy things about him in the news and in the media, the way they were portraying the situation. And I thought they're lying. Like they are straight up lying nonstop. And so then at the same, so obviously when Jordan, what happened, it, the same thing happened in the U S election at the same time. So it was like, Jordan was going on and the U S election was happening at the same time. And I was like, they're lying. They, they just lying. They just lie to us. And I didn't like, for example, I didn't like, particularly like Donald Trump, but I also didn't like the fact that they would just constantly lie about him, like just nonstop. And I thought, well, this is, you know, and so since then, I don't trust the media at all. I just don't trust them. And so I, you're right that, that in some ways what has happened because of also the internet is, you know, we, we've all found other ways to get our information and to kind of analyze information on our own and and hopefully a lot less people trust the CBC you know or the or the other big big uh, media companies than they did before because that's well, it's all nonsense like i just hope i just hope the conservatives come in and totally not just defund but annihilate the CBC it should go away i'm i'm i put zero of my faith anymore in any political organization that they're going to do what they're yeah, supposed they're to not. do yeah they're not i know so I, I sit here and i go the thing that gives me real hope honestly is I can rattle off like 15 podcast shows, et cetera, all in Canada now that are 
are are reporting on different things that are right on the the tip of the spear, if you would, that are counteracting what uh, mainstream media has done. You know, one of the things about our uh, one of our shows on Tuesdays where we he- focus on headlines from Canada is I think when we started that seventy. It'll be 73, I think, next week. Anyways, it doesn't matter. 70-some episodes ago. The headlines, they're still dumb, and there's still a lot of stupidity in there. But we I've started to see a change in, like, actual, I think there's some actual reporting going on, mm-hmm. Jonathan. Isn't that an interesting concept? And I see that change. And, I, I, I mean, does it happen overnight? No, it doesn't. But the one thing before 2020 I could have safely said is, like, I, I don't know, I like, do you watch the CBC? Don't you watch the CBC? And now I'm like, well, you never watch the CBC, right? Like, and what I've started to see is, you know, I would have said, well, I listen to Joe Rogan. I listen to some different um, hosts down in the United States. And it's one of the things that bothered me the most is I'm like, I'm Canadian. Where am I going to get my Canadian uh, news feed from? Or at least cultural concepts from? You know, like, where are they? And I watch yourself, and I watch Jordan Peterson, I'm sure lots of Canadians do, and you're like, holy crap, we got some juggernauts, and they need to be on uh, the Canadian side of things. That's why I was so excited to have you on. I'm like, holy crap. Like, you know, in my mind, uh, we got these brilliant minds sitting all here. We got to expose them more to Canadians. not saying you aren't. Um, But it's true most of my public is in the U.S., that's for sure. Well, think about that. And, And I go like... You're getting exposed to it, whether whether my entire audience knows exactly who you are or not, doesn't matter. You're getting exposed to, I think the last time I checked, 74% of my audience is Alberta, Saskatchewan, Western Canada, and they're they're, they're hungry for this. They're mm. like ridiculously starved for, um, you know, what is going on and trying to make sense of it and having different thoughts, and you mm. certainly have that ability. Thanks, I appreciate it. You know, it's like I... It's hard because we are in some ways, I myself here in in Quebec, you know, I have some issues that I have to deal with, like with my own people, let's say. And so I I have this this basic mistrust about about the the politics here and about the way that everybody just kind of moves in the in one direction and kind of just follows what the leadership says. Uh, so it's difficult for me because I have, I feel alienated in some ways from, I feel alienated in some ways from my own, from my own nation. And it's so because I'm, because I also have this difference, like I'm not, I am more Quebecois than I am Canadian. And that's just a reality of history. You know, it's like, I, I do feel closer to that identity, but I also do love I mean, I also love Canada as well. And so I feel a bit alienated all around. Like, I don't know in that sense. I, I myself don't feel like I totally have a home in in the world in that sense. So it's a, it's a weird place to be in. Well, I think uh, I can't speak for, uh, you know, I won't speak for my audience, never do. But like one of the things uh, I've been realizing, you know, this journey, this little adventure I've been having with the podcast is I keep finding people like yourself that aren't sitting in Alberta and Saskatchewan. And believe me, I keep unearthing them here as well. I just was out in Kelowna uh, a little less than a month ago, and there was a whole universe out there that speaks and talks and acts and thinks similar to me that I had no idea existed. And I was mm-hmm. like, how is it that you're not that far from me? And I had no idea that this was here. And 
I think for a lot of us, we, you know, especially in the middle of COVID, you went, there's nobody like, why am I so crazy in my thoughts? Mm. And then we start to find out that, you know what? There's a bunch of Jonathans just sitting right over there that uh, are feeling maybe similar to us. And, yeah, and there's, just... there's quite a bit here in Quebec, to be honest. Like they, 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 in Quebec City, for example, Quebec City is seen by Montrealers as this reactionary, as right wing or whatever the way they want to phrase it. But <laughs> the, the, there's there are quite a, a lot of people that were reacting to the COVID measures. They were doing it in a Canadian way. We we didn't not like in the U.S. where, and we still wore our mask to 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 the stores or whatever. Like we, there wasn't a lot of resistance on that front. But when it kind of pushed towards the the the, the protest, you know, we saw coming. We stood on the road watching cars come from Quebec City, or from the direction of Quebec all the way to Ottawa. And I mean, we just stood there for three four hours, and it was just a nonstop stream of people going into Ottawa. So it's like there is a lot. I think there there's more than we think, even though we have a monoculture and people are demonized by the media here. Like if you here, it's even worse than in the rest of Canada. I mean, if you step out of line of the party, you know, thinking you will get because it's a small culture, right? We're like seven, eight million people. If you step out of line and you have a little bit of a voice, they will destroy you. They will destroy your life. Well, I tell you what, I'll give you one of my favorite thoughts of being actually in Ottawa. My first is always the pilgrimage or the, the journey from Saskatchewan, Alberta, all the way there. I thought that was just something that, how do you recreate that? But the first night I was in Ottawa, it's two in the morning and I'm down one in the morning and uh, we stood out there until two, but we're right in front of parliament and one side of the street is blocked. So they haven't quite got the other side blocked off yet. And all of a sudden these semis start coming in. And somebody says, oh, Quebec just arrived. And it was all the fleur-de-lis and they were honking. And uh, it's like one of those memories I will have for the rest of time. And the guy at the head of it, I, someday I hope to interview him, you know, give me a translator. Guy, I don't know any French. But he, he was playing on his air horn like a song. I don't know what it was, folks. But he sat there and he just played this like little, t and I was like, this is, this is something. <laughs> like this is just... This is just like straight out of a movie. I'm sitting there going like, what is going on? It's minus 38, you know? You got half the street blocked. In comes Quebec on the other side. They lock it down, and they're here to stay, and they were there to stay. And I tell you, uh, I have a f newfound respect for all of Canada, but Quebec stands out in my mind because of so many of the things that, whether it's media or whether it's culture, told me to think about your province. Mm has changed since that day, you know? And, and honestly, by, uh, we, uh, when I was um, 20, we biked across Canada, me and uh, my brother and, and a friend. And so we, you know, we're pedal biking and away we go. And, you know, we finally get to Ottawa. And I'd heard all these stories about Ontario, you know, all these people are this and that and their nose up to you and whatever else. And the nicest human being we met, folks, in all of Canada was in Ottawa. Mm. And so it's like you get these ideas of people and areas and things until you go experience it and see it for yourself, you just have no, I, you can't let somebody else's idea or thoughts really push you too far because, you know, you might have a completely different experience. And certainly, are there some arrogant people out in Ontario? Certainly. Um, but Alberta has our fair share. So is Saskatchewan and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It, it usually has to do with, you know, it's horrible to say this, but it usually has to do with the difference between the city and countryside more than it has to do with the province in particular. 
you know, people, people that live outside of the big cities, you know, all over the world are usually welcoming and warm and just have, a, and even though they, 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 they might be kind of seem like a bit reactionary in their politics or whatever, but if you meet, if you meet them face to face, you know, it's like, it's usually pretty generous and pretty warm. So you'll find that in Quebec as much as you find it anywhere. Find that anywhere right now. You just look at a political map and see what everybody's voting on. You know, it's like, it's it's so stark. The cities vote one way, the rural yeah. community votes another way. And they just have, a, uh, as Vance Crow, I think, would say, they had a, a different speed of life. You know, the speed of life in, in the urban centers versus out on the farm are just different. That's, that's one way of thinking about it. Either way, I've enjoyed our chat, and uh, I appreciate you giving me some time this morning, Jonathan. Um, I just want to end with uh, one final question we do here. Uh, it's the Crude Master final question, so shout out to Heath and Tracy. Um, if you're going to stand behind a cause, then stand behind it absolutely. What's one thing Jonathan stands behind? I mean, I think that the, the one thing I stand behind is something like participation, you know, in the sense of, of kind of recovering, moving away from the passive entertainment mode and moving away from this idea that you know stories are just something that you watch from the outside but rather jumping into our own stories moving back in that involves as much in terms of the gospel or the bible in terms of, of those stories but also our histories our fairy tales these are the things that i think are the most important for culture in the long run the, beyond all the politics beyond all that stuff, if we can recover our stories and know that there are stories and participate in them, then we're on a sure path to the future. I feel like I shouldn't ask this at the end of an interview, but you know, when you talk about recovering our stories and the Bible being one, what are your overall thoughts on the Bible? You know, like, uh, <laughs> I, I know that's such a large question. He's laughing at me. He's like, Did you want to try really to ask that question? But, but I'm, I'm like, you know, as a guy who, who, who read the good book as a kid, and none of it stuck, okay? Then you've we've been talking a little bit about Ottawa. You're kind of getting a sense of what happened and, and kind of some of my thoughts and, and you know, and, and the fact that I'm in the middle of reading the New Testament and, and really finding a lot of peace and, and, and some interesting thoughts, and I just can't believe some of the profoundness stuck in the book, to be completely honest. You know, there's there's arguments out there that, you know, like Jesus was just another man or he was a special man or God had nothing to do with it or on and on and on. And I hate to give you six minutes or ten minutes to answer that, but I, I am qu maybe we'll leave a cliffhanger so that we can do another one at some point, so Jonathan can come on and and answer it more uh, uh, in depth. But I, I'm just kind of curious, you know, taking okay, so back our let, story. Let, let me re let me just kind of rephrase it so that I can actually answer it because it, it's it's difficult. Like the truth is that first of all, whether you think that whatever is written in the Bible happened or not, whether you think that it's credible, whether you think all of these things, the story that are, the stories that are in scripture in the West, Christianity and its story is the bedrock of everything of all of your moralities, the bedrock of all the things that you think are good. The fact that you think that you should help, that you should be kind and help people, that you should help the weak, that you should care for the marginalized, that, that, that a hero is someone who fights for those that can't fight for themselves. Whatever vision you, all your morality, all the very map of your existence is based on those stories. So if you ignore them, you ignore them at your peril because you will find yourself in a world where the rug will have been just snatched from under you 
and the very the very basis of the morality that you thought was unshakable will start to shake and you won't know where to look and you'll find yourself lost and just not knowing where to find your bearing and so to recapture our connection to those to those stories even if you don't believe in them even if you don't want to go to church or you don't want is is something that you that you like i said that you ignore at your peril because if you look at the world around you and you think things are crazy, it's just started. If you look at the around and you think everything's upside down and the whole everything is topsy turvy, it's if this is just the beginning of what what is possible in terms of madness. You know, we saw the 20th century devolve into insanity, and so, and so I would say recapturing our story, our values, understanding why it is we are what we are is necessary to be able to know what to stand on to move forward. Man, I've I've really enjoyed our uh, our our hour and and change here, <laughs> and uh, I want to be respectful of your time, so I'm not going to ask any more that gets you going. That's right. You know, I, Just get me so, on rant mode. There. So, <laughs> uh, for the people not watching, sometimes I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm I'm curious. You know, you the hands have been have been going for Jonathan. I'm like, am <laughs> I like? Is he like? Oh, I can't believe he asked that. You know, or, or am I really pushing his brain one way or another? It's been a fun little. Uh, jaunt here for the, for the hour and change but appreciate you coming on and and doing this i hope we can do it again in the future either way uh appreciate what you're doing and i look forward to uh hearing more of your thoughts my brother's a little ahead of me in exodus and uh he he wanted me to throw out the, i don't know if he wanted me to throw out this compliment i will he thought yourself jordan and about two others man if you four would have just sat down and had a conversation every time you talked he was just like enthralled with what you were talking about. So that's that's well, a thanks. shout out to you because I, I look at the room and hear the different thoughts. And I think the room assembled in general was uh, was quite incredible, especially mm. for our time and age and everything else with uh, with people. It's been intriguing to sit and listen to. Either way, thanks for doing this. Yeah, I'm happy enjoying it. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you folks for tuning in. That was Jonathan Pajo. I think uh, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. I don't say that very often. Uh, not that they're bad. That sounds terrible. Not that there's bad guess, but sometimes you get some thoughts and you're like, oh man, I got to sit and think about that for a bit. And uh, certainly a couple times there, uh, he had my brain uh, kind of, you know, treading water, if you would. And it's always cool to have a, a, somebody from the East side of Canada on, you know, uh, Quebec gets such a bad rap from time to time. I think a lot of us Albertans and Saskatchewans for that matter are starting to change our tune on that an awful lot. And it comes through conversations like this. Either way, thanks for tuning in today. If uh, you want a piece of this clip, what we've been talking about is uh, send me your favorite part and we'll see if we can't uh, get it clipped, put on social media. Love to hear your guys' thoughts. So shoot me a text in the, in the show notes. You got the phone number there, everything else. And finally, today's episode was brought to you by CalRock Industries. Go to calrock.ca. New, used, and refurbished oil and gas equipment in stock. CalRock is your best bet when it comes to finding equipment that fits your needs, is within your budget, and is ready as soon as you need it. And so calrock.ca. Thanks, guys. We will catch up to you on the next one.